Hi everyone. So just before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about the past few episodes and the upcoming episodes of more of the spiritual take of ADHD and the interconnection of it all. And I guess it's just my sort of personal interest and passion, but I'm finding it a lot with the way I'm working and the clients that I've got at the moment, that it really does um, all connect together. And so when I'm talking about intuition, or we're talking about the deeper inner wisdom, or getting to know ourselves better, or trust and the deep wisdom that we've got within us, and learning to live life more authentically, I want you to be able to know that it's a language that you can choose, that the language doesn't have to be my language, it can be your language, and you can pick and choose what feels right to you. And I know some people find it a bit uncomfortable when we start talking about more spiritual things and the universe and God and all these different things, but I want you to know that you're able to listen to this episode and really interpret it in the way that feels good and right and comfortable with you right now. And maybe come back and listen to the episode again in a few weeks. Let things integrate, let things settle. Because when we are delving into these conversations, especially after an ADHD diagnosis later on in life, and learning to reprogram certain beliefs and the conditionings and the stories that we've been holding on to, and the patterns of our thoughts and our behaviors, and then realizing there's maybe a different way to go about life, it can feel quite big and a bit overwhelming. So what I want to bring to you today is interesting conversations, conversations that I have um, found interesting and helpful for myself, but maybe your takeaways might be different. So please don't put any pressure on yourself to think that the language that's being used in all these conversations is something that you have to take on. I want you to be able to listen and take what feels good to you and let that integrate, let that just settle in, let that embody And I hope that over time, certain things will drop into place and you'll feel more equipped from a more sort of deeper perspective. So I really hope that you've enjoyed these recent conversations. And yeah, like I said, there there is this fantastic new program that I'm going to be starting um, at the end of January, which really taps more into changing our beliefs and our thought patterns um, and our mindset and our energy from a sort of much deeper, more cellular level. So here's the episode. I really hope you enjoy it. And like I say, just take it what feels good to you right now. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and today we're talking about another subject, I say this every 
every episode, but another subject that I am really, really passionate about. And so I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Her name is Ebony Allard, and she's an internationally acclaimed award-winning master coach. She's also an artist and a modern mystic. She facilitates curious, complex, creative, and courageous souls in navigating the reality of being a spiritual being in a physical body. I just love that because I use many of those descriptive words in my way of working as well and um yeah and I love anything to do with spirituality and mysticism so I'm just excited to have this conversation welcome to the podcast Ebony thank you so much for having me on I also love meeting fellow people who get it and who don't read that bio and go what (laughs) (laughs) yes no I get it and I get it and I think quite a lot of the listeners and a lot of my clients will get it because I purposefully use language similar to yours to attract the people that are meant to be in this world and I'm sure you do exactly the same and the people that don't get it are just I guess not meant to be here they're meant to be listening to another podcast and meant to be working with other coaches and therapists Um, and I guess one of the reasons why we connected was because you practice something called human design amongst lots of other things Mm -hmm. and that's something that I am really interested in I've had my own reading and I've used that as almost like a compass a navigation tool Um, but let's backtrack a little bit because I know that you have officially been diagnosed with ADHD and autism or or how do you pronounce it or I say or HD but I think I've had so much kind of stick online for saying things wrong. And I'm one of those people who's like, you do you, boo, right? Like whatever language words work for you. I I got into a thing with someone recently because they didn't like me using neurospicy. And I understand that. And for some people, it doesn't work. And for me, I use neurospicy sometimes because it is a blend. and, And my brain goes, oh, spice blend, right? And everyone has their own unique mixture of these different things. And no two people with a diagnosis present the same or have the same internal experience so however you say it it's fine by me yeah well, <laughs> I know I, I mean I'm really interested in this because the more I work in this space and the mm. more I realize that whether we're diagnosed with with ADHD and or autism I see how this spectrum plays out and I see this balance of maybe sometimes the ADHD feels much stronger much more powerful and the autism sort of like the quieter end but then I see also how the mix can work together but also play against each other and how difficult that can be and I know we were just talking about that and how you notice how the different elements of the different spectrums play out in your life and what is um, maybe working for you or not really working for you at this time. Is there any way you could explain how how that kind of impacts you on a day-to-day basis? For most of my life, I would have people say to me, we're not all as perfect as you, or you make it look really easy, or things to that effect. And I now recognise that the particular blend of autism and ADHD that I have means that I'm really good (laughs) at making it look like I have my stuff together and and that I'm gliding through life. And sometimes I am. And sometimes the, the energy and the creativity and the sparkiness of my ADHD combined with the routine and structures and containers built by my autism means that I get a lot done and I'm very successful in quote marks in business because people are like how do you show up every day I'm like I couldn't not because 
my autism would freak out, right? Like I, I need certain things that I do every day. I need routines. I need stuff, right? And so sometimes those two things work together and they mean that I've got a level of consistency, that there are structures in my life. There is, there I show up in certain ways. And then there are days where it is like having two toddlers running in opposite directions inside my body. And the... ADHD toddler wants to throw glitter everywhere and make a massive mess and enjoy the colours and just see what happens. And the autism wants to sit very, very still, hear no noise, feel no sensations and just be for a little while. And those two things together can cause like a glitch in the system and it's, it's not restful. It's not, um, it's like having your foot on the accelerator and the gas at the same time. And it's, and it's really unpleasant. But having diagnosis gives me language that I didn't have before. And I should say, I only got diagnosed at 42. And I've been working with what I call misfits for 12 years. And it's just having new language has been very interesting for me. Yeah. I mean, I can so relate to everything you just said then, which makes me think, you know, I was only diagnosed with ADHD, but I really, really relate to that. And I feel that every day, this tug, this pull, this back and forward energy of you need to be busy, be busy, be productive. And it's like, no, all you want to do is sit quietly and not be disturbed and not have to do anything for anyone. And it's exhausting just being in that kind of like backwards and forwards energy. And you know, when you talk about the misfits, again, it's that was your language, wasn't it? That was who you could relate to. But now I guess as we're all understanding neurodivergence much more, we're we're understanding. And I guess even, you know, even in a few more years time, we're going to understand these nuances even more. We're going to be able to understand maybe that it's not just going to always be ADHD and autism. There's going to be more sort of flexibility with the way we see um, neurodivergence on a spectrum and how it shows up in different ways. But what I love is that you had intuitively already known who the people were and who you wanted to work with and help. And I guess how is that now that you've had this official diagnosis, how's that helped you in your business and your life and your direction? Like what, what's that given you? Some of it is the language itself to explain it and almost to make my work more mainstream um and then there's also this kind of irritation of like how come we all know what's going on now and why did no one have this language before right um and for a little while I think immediately after diagnosis I used the language of neurodivergence more than I had been and then kind of pulled back from that and went back to the language that I had been using before, which before was, you know, too innovative, too creative, too geeky, or just too full of heart to clock in and clock out of a job and or life. And that really explains it. You know, it took me years to kind of get to that point. Like, I think it's just deepened everything. I think it was how has it impacted it. And it's, it's I think it's just given me a, a greater depth and kind of pulled things together in a way that makes them even more cohesive than they had been before. So I'm just interrupting today's podcast because I want to let you know about a brand new program that I'm relaunching towards the end of January 2024. And I've got a sign up page on my website right now. I'm still 
planning it. I'm still working on it, but I have to say this is probably one of my most exciting programs so far. This is so intuitive and authentic to me. Anyone that's worked with me will really see where this is going. So this is all about changing the energetics from within and changing our stories, releasing old blocks, old conditioning, and creating a new future, visualizing a new way of being, and really letting go of the things that have been holding us back. This is all about our spiritual growth, leaning into what feels right to us, and not doing all the shoulds and the needs and the comparing, and working on the internal dialogue and the stories and the words that we say to ourselves, changing the energetics from within so we can reflect outwards and change what our reality is. And so many of us who have had a diagnosis much later on in life can feel really stuck and feel like we're an old version of ourselves. And then the diagnosis brings revelations and new ways of wanting to be and think and live. But often we find it very difficult to get there. So in this program, it's going to be me holding you accountable, motivating you, giving you practical, but also spiritual and energetic ways of shifting the dials, changing the way we think and believe and the stories that we tell ourselves and the words that we use. And I'm really, really excited about this. I'm still conjuring up all the details, but it will be probably a 45 minute workshop every two weeks for about three or four months. So I'm going to be sort of hand-holding you, cheerleading you, motivating you, giving you new ways of doing things, helping you make decisions and choices that feel right and aligned with you. This is stepping into your most truthful, authentic version of you and changing this reality and really leaning into a different way of being now that you have more awareness. I really believe that this is something that I've been working on for for many years and I can't wait to finally share some of the tips and the ways that I have helped change how I show up in the world because it's very different to how it was five years ago. So I'm hoping that in this program, this container, I'm going to be opening it up. I'm really going to be creating a community of people who are ready to step out of a mentality that feels like the world has been doing things to them and start taking action and charge from a place that feels good to you. And this is not about doing. This is about being. This is about feeling. So if you really don't align with this sort of action and goal setting and sort of new new year resolutions, this may be a much softer approach for you and really work with our neurodivergent minds. So head to my website. You're going to see on the homepage a sign-up page. If you just put your name and email address there, I promise you that when this is all live and I've got all the details, you guys are going to be the first people to get it. Now back to today's episode. So something I know you work with and teach your clients is how to work with the nervous system and tap into the brain's connection with our bodies. And I was just wondering if you could explain a little bit more about that. So scientifically speaking, there are six criteria that make something a brain. And the head, heart and gut have that. And it is that they, I won't be able to tell you them off the top of my head. If you're interested, I can send you a blog I've got on my site that goes into the details of it. But the six criteria, one of them is operates um, autonomously or without the head brain. And beyond that, so those three are classed, so head, heart and gut are classed as uh, an intelligence, an autonomous intelligence and, and a brain. 
And, and in multiple brain integration technique, the head brain is, um, all of the brains have different functions, different core competencies. And the head brain's core competency is perceiving, making meaning and understanding. And that's and all information is afferent, which means it moves up the body from the bottom upwards, which means that all the head brain is really here for, if used correctly, is to understand and make meaning of the information that it is receiving. And it will always do that. It will continue to do that forever and ever and ever. What we get to do is be more mindful about the information that we're feed, having it receive. The autonomic nervous system and the pelvic brain are not classed as brains because for various reasons, the science hasn't got there yet. It may do as we get further down the line. The pelvic brain isn't the gut brain. It is much further down. And in women, it would be the womb area that we're talking the about. The sacral area. Exactly that, the, sac yeah. the sacral area. It gets complicated. And as I come into and as we move into overlaying human design with multiple brain integration technique, it becomes, it's not as clear cut as we would like it to be because there are overlaps. And so when people talk about intuition, there is a, a particular type of intuition that comes from the gut. But our gut is actually classed as just inside your mouth right the way to the anus and everything in between. So when we think of our gut brain, we all go to our tummy or like this, this kind of space underneath our belly button and above our pelvic bowl. And that is a place where our voice and an intuition is and a part of the body that really listens. But our intelligence is throughout our whole body. And one of the pieces of work that I spend a lot of time or put a lot of importance on with my clients is really dropping into your intelligence within your body and understanding the language that your body speaks to you. And when we're wired slightly differently, we have, um, we all have different experiences of how that shows up and we may not have language for it. We may have colours, we may have sensations, it may feel fizzy, it, it, it may feel... Yeah, there's a whole layer of stuff around synesthetic experience that has come into my work and uh, not making any of it wrong, but allowing each individual to spend time reconnecting their head brain and the rest of their body. And so many people, when they first come to talk to me, talk about my body like it's a separate part of them. I wish it would do this. I wish it would do that. And, and there's like this slice or this disconnect between the head and everything else. And so for a lot of people, that sacral connection, that pelvic brain wisdom that you're talking about is missing. And that is a connection to two things. It's a connection to our sexuality and sensuality, but it's also a connection to God. It's where we came from. It's where there is a universe within a universe within a universe. It's where nothing makes sense, right? The creation, creation is not logical, it's magical. And so if we are disconnected from our own magic, then we are disconnected from all sorts of wisdom that comes from beyond us. And the society in which we live doesn't really like us being connected to magic and to the feminine and to the transformative. And so it has disconnected us from sex as well and made it very taboo and naughty. And all of those things live in the pelvic brain. And there can be a lot of trauma stored there. There can be a lot of discomfort. 
a lot of overwhelm, a lot of not knowing. And so I don't advise people to go straight into that sort of work. If you don't have a connection with any of your body, please don't start there. Please start a little bit higher with kind of understanding the sensations of your heart or the sensations of your belly or just the other sensations in your body before you drop straight into the place where the deepest waters run. Yeah. I mean, that's really, really powerful. And anything sort of somatic now, we're starting to understand how much is stored within us. And, you know, when I'm working with EFT, I try and help my clients get out of their heads. And especially with us, you know, in the neurodivergent community, we are so in our heads. that It's so hard to connect to our bodies. And it, it takes, you know, a bit of time for, for us to start thinking, right, well, not, let's not think about our thoughts and emotions let's just go what are the sensations what are the feelings and you know how you sort of just said you know fizzy or you know like a sensation and I say well what color is that what's what's it doing is it moving has it got a shape and pe- and it it's really hard for people to connect to that and I found that really hard and I still you know when we're talking about you know that pelvic brain that you 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 so beautifully described I still find it really hard to, to connect right there which is why I've always found it historically difficult to make decisions, self-trust, really removing that self-doubt and going back into my body and and knowing what the right choice is. And that's something I I work a lot with my clients as well, but it takes so much practice, doesn't it? And when I guess we have been undiagnosed and we've got to, you know, I got to 40, you got to 42 without really understanding how our brains work, how we want to, you know, live. And then we've always been on in our heads, like, right, what's our rational brain telling us to do? As opposed to like, oh, that feels really like restrictive and that feels really awful. But no, let's override that because our brain is telling us we should be doing this. And so it's just an invitation, isn't it, for us to kind of recognize that we've been conditioned to operate in one way. And I see, always see a diagnosis or a self-diagnosis as this permission to go back into our bodies and start trusting what our body is saying, even if it doesn't make any sense. And even if we don't know what the outcome is, and even if it's the craziest thing ever, because those decisions that I've made when it's come back into my body and I've noticed something like quite powerful happen, that's always been the right choice, but it's really hard, isn't it? And again, I'm going to come back now to, to human design because when I had my human design reading, that opened up a gateway for me that had never I'd, I'd never even considered before. So first of all, can you explain to someone who's never heard of human design, what is it? And maybe what led you to working in this field? So human design is the science of differentiation or the science of the aura. And we take this information from the moment that you were born. And so I like to describe it as the moment that you went from energy and stardust into matter and became human form. And so that very moment is coded with numbers and information. And so I work with uh, numerology. I had I had historically worked with astrology. I had worked with uh, chakras before. I'd worked with all of these different pieces of spiritual science. And human design was a deeper layer of that for me. So human design brings together five different modalities and synergizes them and uses the same information, but uses it in a slightly different way. So we have the chakra system, we have astrology, quantum physics, the I Ching, and the Kabbalah tree of life. 
that information all comes from that moment that you were born. And in the moment when you were born, the stardust or the, the atmosphere, the neutrinos formed in a particular way or fell in a particular way. And that is the, your human design is the map of that that we're reading essentially. And so neutrinos, for those who don't know, are like minuscule atoms of stardust. You have um, like literally billions in your thumbnail and it holds coded information. And so it's sp spiritual science. And whilst a lot of people like to think that it is storytelling, there is an aspect of that. And we have always told stories as people um, for generations and millennia. And it's one of the things that is it's why archetypes exist and why we find it much, much easier to learn from story than anything else. So in human design, what we're doing is we're bringing together these different modalities. We're bringing together the spiritual science of your particular aura and your human design right down to a genetic molecular level and sharing that information in an archetypal and story-based way, not everyone, but that's how I use it, so that you can really understand it. And it's a framework and there's so much information in this framework. So we start with your type and there are five different energy types and then you go into authority and that's how we get to make decisions. And so when we're making decisions, we get to do that from our authority and there are different authorities. Um, most people have a sacral authority, then you might have an emotional authority, and it, well, actually most people have an emotional, then sacral, and, and we go on, there's a hierarchy around it. So that's the best place to start. You can get then incredibly complicated and detailed. You can go right the way into um, your incarnation cross and, and what you're here to experience as a soul. It's kind of, it's all there. Your, your soul information is written out for you. The things that you chose to explore in this lifetime. And people get really excited by all that information because head brain. <laughs> but we want to roll it back. And, and the most important pieces to start with are your type and authority and profile can be really helpful as well. And what got me into it, because you also asked that, is it, I have been, it's kind of been in my radar and, and in my awareness for four or five years, maybe five years. And at the beginning, I was hearing a lot of people speak about it and it just felt complicated. And I didn't understand how it could be used in one's day-to-day -day life. And I didn't need another framework. I'd been studying Jungian analytical archetyping in great depth at that time. And I just didn't need another thing for, for, for labeling myself. And yet I was still on this journey of trying to figure out, I know there's something different about me. What is it? You know, and so, so kept searching and seeking. And why I then ended up studying further certifying um, and making it a part of my work is because it was so in line with everything else that I had already adopted as my own. So working with the elements, working with the chakras, working with astrology and archetypes, working with the multiple brains, like all of this actually falls really beautifully into the human design framework mm. and allows me to do my work of empowerment, embodiment and full self-expression, which is what I'm really here to do. And I don't ever want anyone to 
come at human design and find it disempowering, find it another thing to beat themselves with. Mm. Instead, what it really gets to be is a framework of support that allows you to use your energy correctly and to know what to trust and what to tune out, what is for other people and what is for you, and to come home to your own body and your own intelligence and your own wisdom. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when I had mine done, none of it was a surprise, but it was, again, it was that permission. You now have permission to fully lean into what you intuitively sensed, but kept pushing away because I thought I ought to be doing things differently. But there's so much more to it because I had a really in-depth, I had two readings and they were the second one was really in-depth. And I sometimes go back to it And I read it and it's that affirmation again. It's like you said, that empowerment of it's okay. It's okay to to operate the way you want to operate. And you don't have to look at other people and compare yourself to other people. I wonder if it is a constant roadmap, isn't it? That this constant roadmap that you have to keep checking back in on. Because when do you get to that point where it feels more instinctive and it feels more natural? Like I don't have to keep going back to check, I guess is the question. So there's layers of it. And often people want a really in-depth reading Mm. right in the beginning, and I won't give them it. I will only do an in-depth reading with you when you've mastered that first piece. So if you can't, if you haven't mastered for you response, and it sounds like you're an emotional authority, Mm -hmm. so I would work very deeply with you on your emotional wave. There are four different emotional waves. And so, and, and I heard you earlier say that you don't feel hugely connected to your sacral and to that that brain, right? I would not give you any more information until we had worked on that because as a generator, your connection to your sacral is the most important thing because what will be happening is that sacral will be lighting up and giving you an aha when it's yes. And then the emotional wave gives you because what the so as a as an emotional wave we have this extra layer of complexity right so we've got an aha uh-huh and an ah uh-huh, but we've also got a high and a low depending on the wave um it might be a sharp wave or it might be a long subtle wave and and they're different and what that wave gives you is differing amounts of energy and differing levels of uh, magnetism, right? And so when you're in a high, you can get stuff done. And when you're in a low, you get to rest. And when we're in that place, which I call neutral confidence, where it's like, yeah, I know what I want, and I'm not like obsessive about, about it, it doesn't have to happen, I'm not in that kind of high place, if you like. That's when it's uh, the time to make decisions. So we make decisions on on the neutral. We don't make decisions when we're in a high or a low. And that's why that kind of sleep on it or the kind of ride it out a cycle. And that can really depend because on the little things, you don't need to do that. But on the bigger things, you might need to wait a cycle. And so I often say I'm going to bleed on it because I need to have a whole menstrual cycle before I will make that decision. Other times, I know I just to sleep on it and see if I still feel that way tomorrow and that's okay and so so really connecting in with that sacral brain really connecting in with the aha and the kind of expansion in that space um and it will feel different for everybody for me it's very much a leaning forward like I can see it in myself when it's a yes I like it comes forward and when it's a no I'm like "Mm," and I can feel myself leaning back 
But the sacral does another thing. It doesn't just tell you whether it's for you or not for you. It tells you whether it's for you now, as in, do I have the energy and capacity to do this work now? And the more you work with it, the more I've worked with it, the more I'm able to see and experience and know the subtlety in my body of, it's a yes, but not now. So come back to me because I haven't, I'm not saying no to this interview, this friendship, this relationship. I'm saying it's his a yes, but now is not the time to move. And then we get into deeper layers of it because then we're also working with our root and whether we have a defined or undefined root. We start looking at the other centers within the body. And we start to look at where else you might hold conditioning. And conditioning in human design is where it's not just where we've been societally impacted. It's where our energy has been impacted by those around us on a molecular level. And often in the human design community, people talk about conditioning as a bad thing. And it isn't. It's where we can receive the most wisdom. So the places where we have conditioning are where we have the opportunity for the greatest wisdom. Because we've had this experience. You know, if someone has never had any problems with food in their whole life, I'm probably not going to go to them to teach me how to be have a good relationship with food because it's never been an issue for them. And so with conditioning, what happens is we get wisdom from having had a having had a troubling or a not easy relationship with something. And where we have conditioning, it's most often where we have an inconsistent access to the wisdom of or the stability of or the energy of that thing. And so we can hold conditioning in our type, first of all. We can hold conditioning in our authority. We can hold conditioning in our profile numbers. We can hold conditioning in all sorts of different things. And so rather than just doing readings with people, which I don't do that often because you can get AI to do a reading for you now, the most important part of human design work is actually working with someone to embody their own energy type and be using it in an empowering way and going, huh, this is where the pattern of behavior that isn't serving you or isn't working for you keeps showing up. What could we do differently and how can we create routines and habits and behavior change that really support you in operating in a way that you were designed to operate? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's so interesting because I mean I I love all of this. And when I I went again, like I said, like when I had this this reading, it has helped me navigate a different way of living and working and accept myself. And when I need those reminders, I go back. But I would love to probably have more teaching around the embodiment of it and really be able to utilize it because I feel like it's it's this coded language that's there for everybody. But we've we've not had access to any of this, sadly. And um yeah, and I kind of just wish that a lot of people could could have more access to decoding who they are from those much deeper foundations. And and I, I do wonder if it's a neurodivergent thing because we've always had this very deep where I guess it's this sort of understanding that we're not the same as others there's something different going on that we've never been able to put our finger on we've never we've not had the language and that is why when you know as women who are being diagnosed later on in life we are suddenly just being like now I understand and they go through like their whole life and see all different pivotal moments of where it showed up 
I guess if you got more, if you're more spiritually inclined, you would have gone down that route. And I did that with the human design and lots of other different readings because I wanted to understand myself more. I couldn't understand why I kept showing up differently. So would you say that there's more, maybe more inclination for more of us neurodivergence to have gone down that route before, before we'd had these diagnoses because we have been so desperate to intrinsically understand ourselves? Yes. And on a broader level, we are waking up. Society is changing. We are in an evolutionary period. And so it's no coincidence that more of us are interested in the deeper, deeper understanding ourselves and each other and the universe and how it works. And I also think that it's no coincidence that this particular generation of women didn't have that information earlier, because otherwise we wouldn't have explored all of these other things. I also think that the reason that that this particular group of women didn't have diagnosis earlier also has a lot to do with the way that as a society we have been Uh, living in a patriarchy and living in a world that has asked us all men and women to lean very heavily into our masculine traits and the wisdom that comes in oracular form so a spoken word rather than written in books was always the way that the feminine handed down wisdom so the wisdom of women was told in circles and it's you know we sat once a month with one another and we shared stories and that is the way that those that wisdom was passed on and that has been culturally um, shut down, right? Smaller and smaller families, less connection with the generations, you know, all sorts of things that has separated us from our deep feminine knowledge and our wisdom in our bodies and that womb speaking to us, like all of those pieces. And I think that now we are coming back to it and the developmental journey use a lot of masculine, feminine, polarity, harmony, elemental language in the way that I work. But in all human beings, we start in the womb, which is the feminine, it's the static feminine. And then we move into the dynamic masculine, which is where we want individuation, we want fire, we want to separate, we want to show people who we are, we want to go out in the world. And then we move into the static masculine, which is hierarchy, order, and structure. And then that becomes too much. And then we have our midlife crisis. We move into the transformation of the dynamic feminine, which is um, leaving it all behind, changing our careers, leaving marriages, like all of this stuff. And then we come around. So there's this cycle, regardless of gender or sex, we have this growth cycle where we experience these different energies. And that is also happening in society. So we reached a place of too much order and structure and labels and boxes. And then, it, and, and we're kind of in that place now and it's moving into the dynamic feminine, which is destruction and transformation. And that's a very, very scary place for people to be it's chaos it's Kali Ma energy and it freaks us all out because we don't we've been separated from it from so long but from there we come back into a rebirth and I think that this period in history is where that's happening where we're experiencing evolution we're experiencing 
a whole paradigm shift into a world where hopefully there is more equity and less um, less about equality, more about equity, where we recognise our differences and where we value difference rather than us only valuing things being exactly the same. And actually, if we look at the way that AI is coming in and being able to do this kind of repetition of the same thing, we won't need that anymore. So what do we need? We need differentiation. We need each person to have their own unique gifts and stop trying to do the things that really don't work for them. And so for me, I really see this neurodivergence and us coming into different ways of thinking, different ways of being in our body, different ways of uh, communicating and expressing the human experience is an absolute gift and it is the future and it, and we are on the cutting edge of evolution and that we will probably all end up in a place where we have a different operating system than that of the last millennia. Yeah. Oh my God, totally. I mean, I feel this so much I and mean, you just articulated that much better than I ever could, but you it's essentially an era of celebrating difference and we are I mean, was there an era in history a thousand years ago to, I don't know how many thousands of years ago, where women were operating like this? Like, is this evolution? Is this a cycle? Like, when can we look back and see how this more feminine, this more matriarchal society of celebrating difference and being okay with our authentic selves, like, when did that work? Or has it ever worked? No, and so it's not a cycle, it's a spiral. And that's the thing, we're spiralling as a whole society, as a species, as a collective, into something broader and more expensive. And this isn't about looking back. And when we look back at how things have worked before or the different cultures or the different experiences, we want to take what works and leave the rest. And it isn't about us versus them. And it isn't about men or women or feminine or masculine or any of those things. It's really about coming into a place of unity where each of us, regardless of sex or gender, gets to really look at what is happening inside of us with our own masculine and our own feminine and our own deflated or excesses or toxicity and the really really healthy expression of both our masculine and our feminine and 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 really holding ourselves and not constantly looking outside of ourselves for validation or for approval being able to do that for ourselves within ourselves and really coming back to parenting ourselves as well right like being the mature um, caregiver that we probably didn't experience because it's not possible to be the ideal parent because the only person who can love you acknowledge you cherish you validate you in the exact way that you want to receive that is you. And so there really is this process of coming back to ourselves and learning to live in the contrast of being a relational being and have having relationships and intimacy with each other, whilst also having that same quality of relationship with ourselves. Yeah, it's incredibly wise. And, um, you know, listening and then thinking, all the different things as a parent myself, but also being parented by parents who didn't have any of these resources and information and they weren't awakened the way we are. And even though they had maybe more of a simple life than we did, um, they just didn't have the language to be able to parent us. And I just wonder as, you know, my kids and, and I, I, the 
most the biggest gift I could give them is for them to know that whatever they need is you know for them to have for themselves and not have expectations on others um it's been really profound this conversation and I know that a lot of people will probably think how the hell can I speak to Ebony more and you know how can they work with you like what what offerings do you have and how do you work with people I am in the process of shifting around all the different offerings so in case it wasn't obvious I'm a manifesting generator (laughs) so I could create art and offerings and experiences and all of these things forever and ever and ever you know my dad always says to me you are prolific you create something new every day I'm like yes yes I do and one of the hardest uh, parts of being a business owner for me is having putting it all together in a way that doesn't overwhelm people. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm in the process actually of shifting and changing the way that I present my work to the world. What I would love, and I always say this to people and people are um, not always up for it initially. So come and lurk in my world, find me on Instagram. I have a podcast, come listen to me some more, but you're so welcome to slide into my DMs and ask me questions. I love having conversations with people. And then I have a community call, which is the first Tuesday of the month, and that is free for people to, to attend and, again, to come into Circle so that I can recommend the right thing for you. And if you just want to get stuck in and just want to get started, then I have a thing called the value filter, which is also known as your compass. And you mentioned your compass right at the beginning. And this is a way of using your values and, and, and is both cerebral and head down, very much based on logic and tangible evidence and facts. Right, And then also moves into a somatic tool really helps you to feel your feelings rather than think them Uh, and that so that's the value filter or your compass and it it um if it isn't immediately obvious on my site which it isn't at the moment please just message me and I'll send you a link I think you've got the link for that as well but that is the place that I like people to start because it really takes them on a journey into their body reconnecting with making decisions understanding the different intelligences, the different energies, all of that in a very, very simple, tangible, pragmatic way. Yeah. And listen, even if we don't understand or know our values, it's the foundations to, to how we want to show up and operate. So I, that makes lots of sense. So that's kind of where, where you start. Well, I will make sure everything's in, in the show notes so people can um, access you. And I just wanted to thank you for your wise words today. I really, it's made me think a lot. And I'm going to go back to my human design notes and have a little nosy mm. and see what's Yay. come up. But um, yeah, I would love to talk to you more, especially about more things than all your your next offerings because that mysticism and that spirituality is so important I think to people like us who are um very introspective but like to understand how the universe operates and how we operate and how all the interconnectedness is because when we don't understand that everything just feels very superficial yeah. I mean, that's my my personal my take on it. Absolutely. And I have two programs coming up that you would probably love. One is called Full of Yourself and is a program that essentially teaches you your human design in a, in a very different way than anybody else is teaching it um, in a very storytelling way. And it really helps you to become more of you. And then another one, which is called Aligned and Expressed. And that's really for the emotional authorities, knowing when and how to communicate our feelings um, and to drop into the sensate of what's happening in our body and yeah so both of those are uh, on the horizon coming up soon 
Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time, Ebony, and hopefully we'll speak very soon. Thank you so much for having me. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did and it resonated with you, I would absolutely love it if you could share on your platforms or maybe leave a review and a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please do check out my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk for lots of free resources and paid for workshops. I'm uploading new things all the time and I would absolutely love to see you there. Take care and see you for the next episode.